0: I think it's time for another episode of Put on a Stack of 45s with your splendid Bohemians, Rich Buckland and Bill Mesnick. Bill, we have returned one more time.
1: We're not going to break away. We're going to stay right with you. Oh, you're very clever.
0: You're very clever. Uh, Well, you know,
1: it's a little strained, Uh, but uh, (laughs) I'm trying.
0: For anyone who... Remembers uh, Jackie DeShannon, for anyone who remembers glorious songwriter. Um, uh, she wrote the piece that we're going to uh, be talking about today. It was also recorded by Tracy Ullman. And the version that I aspire to is the one that uh, is recorded by one of my favorite vocalists in the world, Miss Irma Thomas. Irma Thomas.
1: Now, this was a B-side, as we were talking about before. The A-side was, I wish someone would care. This was in 1964. The A-side made it to 17, number 17. It was on the Imperial label.
0: But a lot of DJs did choose to play Breakaway because they found it an infectious pop tune. And so when the DJ would turn... I wish someone would care over, and they would check it out. They'd get a lot of requests for uh, for Breakaway.
1: And I believe, also in 64, she recorded Time is on My Side, which was covered by The Stones,
0: uh, who had a pretty big hit with it. But that was also a B-side. And that was also a B-side. It's funny how the, the some of the, the tunes she's become most associated with Uh, wound up being the record company's second choice, in this case, Imperial Records.
1: The A-side on Time is on My Side was written by Randy Newman. That Randy Newman, he keeps popping up um, as early as 1964, called Anyone Who Knows What Love Is. He wrote that with Jeannie Seeley
0: the great country singer, Jeannie Seeley. yes,
1: yeah. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Randy Newman and Jeannie Seeley. Mm-hmm. That's a strange combination. Well,
0: I mean, Randy's work as, as we've seen Randy's career, we see that his capabilities extend to just about every form of, of popular and classical music. Uh, yeah. and when he's able to do these soundtracks as he's made a, a career doing in his, in his later years, his 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 ability to to write anything is, is particularly amazing. So the fact that he's working with a country singer is not too
1: well I guess he was a you know he was a house songwriter and uh you know they match you up with various people or whatever or they assign you uh an artist to write for. But interestingly, Time is on my side was the Stones first top ten single in the US.
0: Trying with cover after cover after cover, because they recorded everything from Arthur Alexander's you Better Move On" to Larry Williams. She said, "Yeah." To Hank Snow's, uh, uh, "I'm I'm I'm moving on." Um, they had
1: good taste.
0: They had good. Well, they had black taste, and they hadn't. Uh, they had not <laughs> begun to write yet. He and Keith no. could not sit down seriously. Sat down. So that gamble paid off. Um, they just stuck to what they knew and what they did best. But if it were not, we have to give the Stones credit because, of course, Irma Thomas gained more popularity after the Rolling Stones recorded. Time is on the Side." Yes,
1: they really helped her. You know, I'm looking at the, 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 the life story here. This woman, who is known as the Soul Queen of New Orleans... Never really ha- broke nationally. And she, she, not like Aretha or Gladys Knight, but listen to the list of labels that she recorded on Ron, Minute, Bumba, Imperial, Chess, Canyon, Fungus, Mareza de Sol, Rounder. Rounder was actually very good for her later on.
0: As she it won was the for Grammy. It. Yeah, um, I, I, it in was. 2007, the... mm-hmm.
1: for After the Rain.
0: Yeah, Rounder was good to a lot of artists. Uh, you know,
1: I don't are, know much about the Rounder label. I
0: mean, they they came up when there was a gap to fill in country music, in uh, soul music, and they they dedicated themselves to artists that they believed had not been given proper attention in the same way Alligator Records did for blues. Uh,
1: I always thought of them as a folk label. Yes, and they were... I was John just Fahey was on uh, them.
0: Right. I was just about to say they're more aligned with folk than anything else. Yeah. And the uh, the shot in the arm that they gave to great folk artists, uh, th- their catalog is stunning. But as so many labels in the record business have, Sugar Hill was, was another one, Um you know, with, uh, with the sales of vinyl dropping and uh, the sales of CDs dropping, it becomes harder to stay in business. Now, yeah. you know, growing up, I'd go to stores like The Record Hunter, and at 12 years of age, that's where I found that remarkable album uh, which someone would care. And the uh, the stunning thing to me about Irma Thomas was always this... It's not about range, it's not about vocal gymnastics, it's not about all of the things that we've become accepting of in vocalization that it has to be, that more is, more is good. More is not good, and I think Irma Thomas is the lesson in that. Less and just something intrinsic from the heart is really what's best. I really
1: admire the simplicity of the interpretation—it's just you serve the song. Mm-hmm. It's not showy.
0: Exactly. And some of the arrangements, you know, depending upon the producer you have, um, the opening to "Breakaway" is a little zippy.
1: But yeah, that actually turned me off at first. Yes. And I When I heard the Tracy Ullman version, I liked it better.
0: Yeah, she kind of she refined it. And put it into the proper perspective. This was just a little too. Doot, 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 doot. And as you'll hear, it's it, it didn't seem like it's going to go in the direction that it winds up going.
2: I'll make my reservation. I'll leave town tomorrow. I'll find somebody new, and they'll be.
1: She had MTV. So she was cresting on the wave of MTV, and all those video, music video uh, stars early on just were hugely benefited by that exposure.
0: Yeah, Tracy Ullman had, yeah, she had the benefit that a Jackie DeShannon did not have, and certainly a Norma right. Thomas never would have been given the opportunity to since there was already debate as to whether, you know, how where were the black artists on MTV? Yes, of course. You know. Uh, Till
1: Michael Jackson.
0: Till Michael Jackson. And then you've got Michael, and then, of course, you have to wonder if Run DMC would have gained any traction without uh, Aerosmith and Walk This Way if they weren't combined. Very good point. Yeah, if they were not combined. so
1: Great white... Rock and roll brother. Yes, the great... (laughs) Yes.
0: So let's take a look at some of the artists that Irma has worked with because you've you've got some people that you're going to be aware of and some people you won't be aware of. Marsha Ball is a great, great vocalist who's not given the attention that she should be given. Uh, Great blues vocalist. Still working. uh, But she had worked with... uh, with Arma Thomas,
1: also New Orleans,
0: also New Orleans. She has worked with the great Doctor John. Oh, of course, Alan Toussaint, yep, Skip Easterling, Tommy Ridgley. But she, she, if you ask her her influences, her influences were primarily Etta James, Mahalia Jackson. I don't know how much Mahalia you've listened to. I know a lot of people just go under the assumption that... Yeah, some
1: of the more classic, you know, stuff, but not, I, I, I've never, I never think of her as down and dirty.
0: You know, in that gospel way, she gets pretty intense. And that intensity for me, uh, I picked up this box set of hers and... I couldn't stop listening to it, because it did not... It's, this is not about secular music, non-secular music. It's about, once again, the artist, and she was a singular voice. She really was a singular voice. I can see that. Okay, in. so
1: you, are you saying that Irma had this uh, sort of um, spirituality?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. She has, this, she has this, what we call the tear in her voice. And yeah. uh, it's generally a prayer. And I think that's where the queen of uh, New Orleans comes from. Yeah, she's Plus,
1: she's played in every jazz fest since 1974.
0: That's pretty remarkable.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's, that's remarkable.
1: So, you know, there's like a totem pole of New Orleans greats. Yes. And she is right in the center.
0: And she also attributes uh, Nancy Wilson... Oh, that's interesting. Who, great, great vocalist, uh, Brooke Benton. Oh yeah. John Lee Hooker, of course, because I think that you listen to John Lee Hooker once and you go, "What the hell? <laughs> what the hell?" And um, yeah, John was one of the. Well, this is all over the map. Singular voices. Yeah. I mean, her influences were obviously not defined to to a female vocalist or to a male vocalist or to pop or to. It's just who she heard and she embraced and and took in.
1: You know, it's interesting. I always assumed she was the daughter of Rufus Thomas, but uh, I learned that she was not.
0: That's Carla. She was
1: born Irma Lee. And by the end of her teens, she was married twice and had three children. Yes. So I think <laughs> yeah. she approached her music career as basically,
0: I need a job. <laughs> or I got to get out of this house. I need a job. You know, one way or the other. Uh, In her teens, married twice and three children. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's
1: still, Precocious.
0: But yeah, yeah. I mean, and you're either going to build a life... That's based outside of your. Uh, if you're our, it, it's the, but it's the the Loretta Lynn story, in another part of the country, with all those kids in a in a in a shack. Dolly Parton, Tammy Winnett, all these early married people yeah. who wind yeah. up pursuing their careers, when you have and a,
1: succeeding. Above anyone's Ex- wildest expectations.
0: Wildest expectations. So she had four Imperial singles. and Imperial. You were, you know, I love that. I love that label because, of course, you got Fats Domino, you got Johnny Rivers. You have a number of uh, of, of artists that that Imperial embraced, and they they stuck with. it. Yeah, her. I think
1: Imperial bought out Minute, right? Yes, Imperial. she was
0: on Minute with
1: Alan Toussaint, right? And then Imperial uh, bought that.
0: And the first four imperial singles all charted on Billboard. The later releases not so much. Uh, so she couldn't really compete with the contemporaries like Aretha and Gladys Knight and Dionne Warwick. She couldn't cross over in that commercial, uh, that commercial mode.
1: Her first, her first recording was on Ron in nineteen sixty. You can have my husband, but don't mess with my man. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: Like that anymore, Bill. They don't write like that anymore. It's pretty damn good. They just don't. They, they, they don't even talk about it that much anymore. Yeah, she, her. I mean, the list of recordings is is pretty dynamic. And when you think about the ones that we've never heard that should be heard, uh, I'd have to recommend some of the mid '60s tunes. Uh, I'm gonna cry till my tears run dry. It's starting to get me now. And her, uh, <laughs> her response to James Brown, it's a man's world, it's a man's woman's world. Okay. 1966. And she, uh, yeah, as you say, you know, she's, she's still out there. She's still performing.
1: Yeah, and in spite of the fact that uh, she had a club called the Lion's Den, which was lost in K- Katrina, so she had to relocate. Uh, 60 miles away from New Orleans. She uh, she lost a lot of material in the Universal Fire in 2008.
0: It's extraordinary um, how many artists lost material. Yeah, so many. Yeah, yeah. And when I became aware that the Checkmates LTD, who I was affiliated with, you know, it it's kind of startling how much how many treasures were stored there and there were no duplicates anywhere. Yeah, how could that have happened? I keep asking myself that, and no one I can talk to seems to have any reasonable explanation as to how that just, that there was there were no duplicates of that material anywhere, so. It's Carelessness. Very, very strange. And possibly arson. Um,
1: well, anyway, focusing on this breakaway... What can you, uh, what words of wisdom can you deliver prior to our hearing it?
0: Well, firstly, I think it's one of the best pop songs that Jackie DeShannon had ever written. Her attempts to have it break as as a top 10 record never occurred. But she's got two or three recordings of it, and I find them all stunning because I love Jackie DeShannon. Well, it's so
1: interesting, too, because there was another uh, song that we recently uh, spoke about. I'm trying to remember which it was, but the theme was domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. And this song also is basically about domestic abuse. Um, but she, it's up and up tempo and poppy. And, you know, I can't break away, though, even though you, you know, make me cry and hurt me. You know, I'm, well, I'm chained to you.
0: We were dealing with, of course, the Carol King song, He Hit Me and It Felt Like that's a right. Kiss. That's right,
1: that's right. Thank you.
0: But there was also another one <laughs> called, it's a thin line between love and hate, yeah. where the guy comes home too late once too many times and finds himself in a hospital bed. Yeah, uh-huh. So it works, uh, can work both ways.
1: Well, both ways. Well, yeah. that's good we yeah, get you come good. up and it's, it's,
0: it's, it's good uh, let's 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 spin this track and uh, and then a couple of other insights. this is the great Irma Thomas breakaway. like the way I did that little uh, DJ. I loved it. Uh, yeah, I loved it. did a
1: little DJ. You're, you're smooth as silk.
0: So, uh, I remember telling them this breakaway. And here we are with the Bill Messnick, Rich Buckland, put on a stack of 45s. And let me tell you something. What you just heard, gang, is the type of popular music you're not going to hear again. Now, we're ta- also talking about the the they don't write them like that anymore thing. As you know, Dig This posts a lot of country. Yes. um m- m- Particularly when we've lost guys like Jerry Jeff and Charlie Pride and Billy Joe Shaver and John Prine, uh, there are comments, and the comments we receive on Dig This, um, which you can find on Facebook, um, is that there is a particular nuance to this, to these artists and the way the songs were originally recorded, that are not done any longer. Um, Irma Thomas is one of the if you if you li- just listen to "Ruler of My Heart," and you will completely understand, as Willie Deville did, the necessity of incorporating this in your musical knowledge, because this is stuff that uh, was a time and a place—those New Orleans recordings—and they're not going to—they're uh, not going to be lost to us, my friend.
1: No, we're, 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 we're a sentinel uh, just uh, trying to keep the dream alive.
0: And Irma Thomas, she's still the ruler of my heart, and we want to thank her for all of her work and for all of her dedication and uh, for giving us the opportunity to be able to talk about her. It's wonderful to be able to have these opportunities and to stray into other territories as well. We open doors everywhere we go. There are portals everywhere, my friend. So from Irma, from Bill, from Rich Buckland, and from our families and from our friends and who have been supporting us and staying with us, we thank you so very much. And we shall return with another episode of Put on a Stack of 45s.